0: Now, many of us over the last few months have spent a lot of time walking in parks, haven't we? Which means that we must have got pretty good at surviving the wild animals that we meet. Uh, so maybe squirrels, they can be pretty wild, can't they? Or dogs? Maybe or, or magpies. Magpies, the magpies. They can be pretty vicious. But I wonder how you would do at surviving a real wild animal attack. What we're going to do, we're going to show you five different wild animals, and we're going to give you two options of what you are supposed to do when you meet one of those animals, and you're going to see if you can decide what you should do in this situation. Now, if you're at home, uh, you'll be able to perhaps act out the one that you think is the right response. Uh, so let's see how we do. So the first animal we're going to see if we can survive is if we were to meet a charging elephant. <laughs> He looks cute, but you know, if he came at you. Okay, so here are your two options. Option one is, the elephant's coming towards you, you stand your ground, you shout loudly, ah! Just to, you know, prove, and if it charges, you run in a zigzag. That's what you do to survive an elephant.
1: Or option B, much more simple, you just run away.
0: Okay, have a think, which one do you think? You could try acting out the one you think is the right one to do. I wonder what you're going for, whether you think it's A, or whether you think it's B. Uh, Let's find out what you should do. Who is going to get attacked by this elephant? A very cross bear. Okay, here are your two options for how you would escape if a bear came to attack you. One option is that you make a noise, you talk, you sing, you play the banjo, you do something to distract it. Hello, Mr. Bear, how are you doing? What a lovely furry coat you have.
1: Or option B, run away.
0: Well, which one do you think is the right option? Maybe you could act that out at home. Which one? Are you going to talk to the bear, sing to the bear, or are you just going to run? Well, let's see who is going to get eaten by this bear. (laughs) Sorry, James. Running away is not the best option. Okay, here is animal number three, (coughs) Here are your two options. Now, if it is coiled to attack, which this one looks like it's about to, this is what you should do. Don't turn your back on it. Don't run but back away at a normal pace?
1: I think option B is more likely. Run away.
0: Well, maybe you could act out which one you think is the right one to do. If you're nothing else, you might be getting fit this morning if you're doing lots of running like like James. Uh, Let's see who is going to be attacked by this steak. Oh, James. (laughs) Running away is not working out so well for you, is it?
1: No, but my steps are going to be great this morning.
0: (laughs) That's true. OK, here is our next animal. when he does that. Okay, here's our crocodile. So these are the two things that you should do. If a crocodile comes, you should stand still and dance in front of it. That will stop it from attacking.
1: I was going to let you keep dancing. (laughs) Um, Or option B, I think I'll run away.
0: Which one do you think is the right one? Are you going to dance in front of the crocodile or are you going to run away? Uh, Let's see who's going to get eaten this time. Dancing is not the option. Apparently, you can definitely outrun a crocodile on land. It's so all exercise
1: g- I've been in getting in. And they
0: get bored very quickly. That's why. Okay, and the final animal we have this morning is... <laughs>
1: it's cute, isn't it?
0: I don't know. Stroking is <laughs> here. Okay, so these are the two options. What should you do? Should you open your coat and make yourself scary? Ah! <laughs> I hope you have scared you, <laughs>
1: <laughs> or option B, I'll use my imagination this time. I'll run away quickly.
0: Well, which one do you think it is? Are you guessing which one? Are you going to make yourself big, or are you going to wanna to run away? Uh, let's see who's been eaten this time. Oh, James. It's Running away is not so good, is it?
1: Well, it is as long as I run quicker than you.
0: Wow, <laughs> harsh. Uh, now, just a disclaimer at the end of this game. If you are going into an area where you might meet those animals, please do a little bit more research than the things that I've just told you to do. I read it up, but I wouldn't like to be responsible for any of you being eaten by any of those animals.
1: But we are going to hear a bit later of someone who faced uh, lions. He had nowhere to, to run, um, and uh, we'll see what he had to do. Our, our reading this morning, which we'll hear in just a moment, has been dramatised by the Cowie family, and it's
2: very exciting.
3: The reading is from Daniel chapter 6.
4: It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent.
3: Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it is something to do with the law of his God.
4: So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said,
3: Making Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors Have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next thirty days, except you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So,
4: King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree.
3: Did you not publish a decree that during the next thirty days anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered,
2: The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed.
3: Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to your majesty or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day.
4: When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him,
3: Remember your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed?
4: So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel,
2: May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you.
0: Well, very thank you to the co We'll see the second half of the reading in a little bit. Now, many years have passed since the previous chapters we've looked at, and Daniel is now an old man, as you can see from the reading. Maybe not. Uh, king Darius is very impressed with Daniel, uh, and he is given a really high position in the land, and this leads to jealousy from others in the court. And some of the Babylonian chief ministers and satraps want to get rid of Daniel, and so they watch and keep an eye on everything he does, but they can find nothing to accuse him of. So they need a new plan. They know they're king. They know he loves to be worshipped and adored, and so this is the plan.
3: Making Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next thirty days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered, in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed.
0: A new decree is proposed. Pray to the king or face the lions. And Darius likes the sound of it. A whole week, a whole 30 days, with people praying just to him, the great king. What a joy. Darius says, pray to me or face the lions. Now along comes Daniel, and what we know about Daniel so far already is that he is a man who loves and serves God above all things. Would this change? Well, he has two options. One of those options is to pray to Darius.
1: The other option is to face the lions, and this time there's nowhere to run.
0: (laughs) Did you spot what Daniel did when he heard the decree? Maybe you can act it out at home. Daniel went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. He did the same as he had always done. He heard the decree, he knew what would happen, and yet he got down on his knees and he prayed. He could have stopped praying for 30 days. He could have kept the window shut, He could have prayed in secret, but he does what he has always done. Daniel knew that God could save. He knew that God had saved his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. He'd seen the effects of God on Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. He couldn't put his trust anywhere else. He didn't try to appeal to King Darius or change his mind. He prayed. He knew that only God could save, and so he put his faith in him. I wonder what you and I would have done if we had been faced with that situation. Would we have kept on boldly praying, or would we have perhaps hidden ourselves away for those 30 days? Well, the chief ministers and the satraps are delighted when they find out that Daniel is praying. I can picture them standing outside his house, rubbing their hands with glee and thinking, yes, we've got him now. We have foiled him. He has prayed to his God. Now we can get rid of this exile from Judah. We don't have to put up with him anymore. And they rush to the king. And they know how to get their king. They know that Daniel likes, uh, the king likes Daniel. And so they get in there really sneakily. Uh, your majesty, did you not issue a decree uh, that anyone who prays to anybody else apart from you in the next 30 days will face the lions? And when the king says yes, they pounce. A bit like lions. Daniel has broken your decree, your majesty. He's praying to his God, throw him to the lions. Well, it's then that we see the heart of Darius, don't we? We see how much he likes Daniel, but just how powerless he is. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel, and he made every effort until sunset to, rescue, to, sunset to save him. But he can't. He's a mighty and powerful king, and yet here he can do nothing. He signed a decree that everyone should pray to him, and yet he is powerless. And so Darius gives the order, and Daniel is brought before him to be thrown to the lions. The king can't stop it, the king can't help him, the king can't rescue. And the last words he says to Daniel are, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Darius knows he can't save, and so he turns to Daniel's God. It's the only way that Daniel will be able to be saved from the mouth of the lions. A stone
4: was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the rings of the nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice.
2: Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions?
3: Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and
4: gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth.
2: May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions.
4: So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian
1: what a great second half to our reading um we left the when sarah finished we left with daniel seemingly in no, with no hope no hope of rescue he'd been thrown into the lion's den as we saw a big stone is placed across so we couldn't escape even king darius as powerful as he thought he was couldn't save daniel now darius hoped that daniel's god might but darius himself is powerless And so after Daniel is thrown into the lion's den uh, and Darius gets home that evening, he spends the night pacing the corridors. He refuses all his normal entertainment. Um, He's just constantly checking his watch. You know, when's it going to be morning? When can he go and see if Daniel's God has saved him? And so as soon as it was light, Darius heads out. He rushes over to the lion's den. Has your God rescued you from the lions? Yes, exclaims Daniel. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. See, Daniel didn't have to open his coat and shout and make himself scary. God saved Daniel. God's protected Daniel from the lions. And Darius is relieved. I mean, I guess Daniel was as well. But Darius is is relieved. He gets Daniel out of the den as quickly as possible. Uh, And as Daniel is brought out, there's not a scratch on him. And seeing this makes Darius realize something. Only God saves. And so he issues a second decree, a, a decree that trumps the first. Here it is. Honor Daniel's God who saves. Did you hear the amazing things that Darius proclaimed throughout his kingdom? Here they are again.
2: May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions.
1: See, Darius thought that he was powerful. He thought he was great, but he wasn't able to save Daniel. God was able to save Daniel because God is more powerful God is greater than any human king. He is in control of all things, including wild lions. See, only God saves, not human kings, not ourselves. Now today we might not need saving from wild lions or elephants or crocodiles or bears or whatever it is. And even if we did, that would only give us a few more years of our life here on earth. In fact, even other things that that help us uh, and help save us, even things like the amazing vaccine we've got at the moment, are only going to give us a few more years uh, on this earth. But there is something that we all need saving from that's not just for now, but goes on into eternity. And that's God's judgment. We heard a little bit about it last week. We're all going to face God's judgment So the question is, how do we survive God's judgments? And here's where I think we have, we, we think there are two options.
0: So, I'm doing pretty well on my tick sheet. Be kind, tick. Pray lots, tick. Go to church, tick. Read the Bible, tick. I reckon I'm doing all right.
1: So that's one of the options we think there is. The other option is that we trust the God who saves. Now, we sometimes think that we can save ourselves from God's judgment. If we're kind, pray lots, go to church, read the Bible, keep the rules, whatever it is, then, then those efforts, they're, they're going to save us. They'll make us good enough for God. Now, we may be able to save ourselves from a, a wild animal if we need to, but we can't save ourselves from God. We're never going to be quick enough. We're never going to be strong enough. We're never going to be good enough for that. We can't save ourselves See, we need to remember what Daniel 6 is telling us. Only God saves. We need, to save our, we need him to save us from judgment. And he longs to do that. Uh, that's something I uh, realized as a teenager. There's a lovely picture of me as a teenager, you know, looking great. I don't know why everyone in the room is laughing. Um, I, similar age, I guess, to some of the people who, uh, who are watching today. And, and I grew up thinking... But option A was the the way to go. I I went to church, uh, I could say uh, all the right things, Um, I didn't get into a lot of trouble, so I was seen as a pretty good boy. And so I thought, well, surely that's good enough for God. Surely that's going to get me into heaven, my efforts, my way of doing things. But I remember sitting in a room in our uh, church hall, um, and someone explained to us about sin that even the tiniest speck of doing something wrong means we're not good enough for a perfect God. And even I knew I'd done even little things wrong. See, God showed me that I couldn't save myself. Now, I don't know if that's when I became a Christian. I can't put an exact date on it, but certainly that had an impact. I can't save myself because I can't wipe, wipe away my sin. No one can save themselves. Only God saves. And so God sent Jesus for people like you and me. Uh, Jesus' love for us drives him to come and save us. And so that's what Jesus' death and resurrection is all about. It's God's way of dealing with the punishment and the shame that our sin deserves. And taking that away so that we can become beloved children of God. It's not about option A. I had to realize I needed option B, to only trust, only God saves. Now, many others, I know can uh, bear witness to that truth. Daniel can, that's why he uh, put his trust in God. There was nowhere else which we sense for him to do so. But there may be some watching this morning who do think option A, that you're uh, trying to save yourself, is the way that's going to get you into heaven. Uh, and if that's you this morning, can you see what Daniel 6 is telling us? Only God saves. We need to look again at Jesus and see option A just doesn't work. But for those of us who know that, those of us who are trusting God for our salvation, then let's do what this says. Let's honor our God, honor our God who saves. Trust Him no matter what else is going on. Because He has shown He's good, He is strong, He is faithful. He has the ability to save. And more than that, he is willing to save us. He is willing to save you. So let's honour our God who saves.